prayers for my recovery. My voice is now shot. It's officially gone uh, for the morning. But I'll be back in the pulpit next week. It's been, uh, uh, maybe you're wondering what, what, what happened. I had surgery in my throat, but I'm, I'm fast recovering and thankful for that. And Pastor Andy will be returning soon. And I look forward to hearing about uh, the youth mission trip. I haven't heard details about that, but I hear that that was a great blessing. And I'm delighted to introduce this morning our guest preacher, Reverend Derek Longbreak. Uh, blessed to have met uh, Derek uh, uh, when he and his family moved here uh, back to Bealsville after, seven, uh, after uh, seven years serving as a pastor in uh, West Virginia, uh, Western Pennsylvania. I'll get it right, Derek. He comes back to us here uh, with his wife, Katie, uh, his son, Aaron, and Rachel, and Rebecca. They've moved back to Bealsville, where, where Katie's originally from, and we're delighted that he's here. He came this past February. Those of us that attended his Sunday school class were blessed to learn about uh, the needs and concerns of the homeless and what God's word has to say about what it means to be homeless and seeking a home. And those of us that were part of that class were richly blessed. Uh, Derek now works at Montgomery County Coalition for the Homeless, uh, raising money to provide people in our county who are homeless the dignity of a home. What a great blessing and it's an honor. Let's give him a warm Neilsville welcome as he comes to the pulpit this morning. Well, it's unusual for um, a minister to get applauded before they speak and oftentimes even after they speak as well. Um, I want to invite you to open your pew Bible to page 841. I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. I'll be reading from the NIV. So if you're someone who doesn't like to be confused, just listen. But if you're someone who likes to follow along, um, please do so as well. I'll be beginning in verse 30. Let's listen for God's word. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them, and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw such a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him this is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go into the surrounding towns and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He said, go and see. 
When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. He then gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets fulls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. This is God's word. A woman I know named Sharon worked at a major university, and she taught courses to train those who were coming back to graduate school to get their master's degree in education. In fact, this lady supervised all the aspects of this university's program for second career teachers. This lady, Sharon, also was called to be the elder overseeing the youth ministry at the church where I was the youth director. Well, when she started, she quickly became overwhelmed and started to talk about resigning. Well, I want to back up for a second. She had been called to be an elder, um, not just because of her experience outside the church, but she had a youth in the youth ministry, and she was also already participating in ministry in the church in other ways. She had showed her talent and her faithfulness in ministry. But still, as she took up a new role in ministry, she could only see the impossibility of how she could contribute to the ministry of the church. Well, most of us can't imagine how we can contribute to the ministry of the church or how we can participate in the mission of God in a way that's different than what we're already doing. We can't imagine participating in God's mission in a way that we have not already done. And maybe even as a congregation, we can't imagine doing something new. It seems impossible to do something we haven't done before. Well, look at the first disciples of Jesus. If you um, have your Bibles open and you look before in chapter 6 of Mark, Jesus has sent the disciples out to do something new in ministry. He'd sent them out by themselves, without him. He'd sent them out without food, without money, with nothing extra, to depend on the hospitality of people in the villages that they would go to. And there they were to tell people about the kingdom of God. The disciples had just come back now from this new ministry where they had gone out to ask people to repent, where they had cast out demons, where they had healed people. Now, all of those three things seem like pretty radical stuff to us. I mean, healing people, casting out demons, asking people to repent. 
I think we would probably all, not everyone, but most of us would say that's outside of our comfort zones. Well, the disciples, even though they have just gone out and participated in ministry in a new way, we see in the story of the feeding of the 5,000 how they lack the imagination to minister in the next way that Jesus is calling them to. They had trouble learning from the ministry they had participated in. Sure, they had risk to do ministry in a new way, but they hadn't yet learned from their experience how to imagine engaging in ministry in still new ways. I think about it like this, and I have to think back to high school, the last time I was doing math, where I would take a test, and oftentimes it was easier just to memorize the answers. You know, you'd the teacher would ask you to show work for how you figured out the answer. Well, it's easier just to put the answer down, to get, figure out how to do it and memorize that answer. But the key is, what about the next test? Because you need to build off what's come before. If you don't learn from the ministry that you've participated in, You've just done it, maybe even without knowing why you're doing it, just because you've always done it. How are you prepared for what God's calling you to next? So what have you learned from being involved in ministry? I mean, are you stuck doing that same ministry? What new ministry might your participation in a current ministry be preparing you for? That's not to say that you should all get up and go and join different ministries. That's not at all what I'm saying. But it's as we listen to God, as we listen to the call of Jesus Christ, are we prepared, even within the ministry that we're participating in, to do something new? Well, Pat Kiefert, who's a seminary professor, says, we learn not just by doing, we actually learn by reflecting on what we have done. It's not just doing, doing, doing ministry. It's stepping back and considering what God is doing with us in that ministry. If we don't reflect on ministry, we can do ministry and be completely unprepared when God opens a door for something new. Well, Jesus knew how important rest and reflection can be to prepare disciples for ministry. Jesus invited the disciples to a deserted place to rest all by themselves. They'd come back brimming with stories of going out by themselves to do ministry, and Jesus knew that they needed to share them, that they needed a chance to rest so they could re-engage in ministry. But Jesus' plan failed. When they arrive at this solitary place, it's no longer a deserted place. There's a crowd of people there. There were crowds of people waiting to be ministered to. Would the disciples have the imagination to minister even though the circumstances are less than ideal? 
Would they have the imagination to minister even though they were looking forward to something else? When we're confronted with an invitation to minister in a new way, can we imagine saying yes, even when we feel unprepared, even when the circumstances are less than ideal? Often we feel that we're not yet a good enough disciple to engage in ministry, if it's at all beyond our previously established comfort zones. But you know something? The good news is, is that disciples are not left unsupported. I mean, Jesus' response to his plan failing was not just getting angry at all, there all the people being there. He wasn't sending people away. Instead, he taught about God's kingdom. He took the opportunity to begin the cycle of discipleship anew. He taught and he demonstrated a way of life that has compassion on those in need of direction. One that shows when there's an opportunity to minister, taking advantage of that. Because each person who had traveled into the wilderness on that day was trying in some way to be connected to the life of Jesus. It wasn't just the disciples who needed to continue to learn to be prepared for ministry. There was a whole crowd of people. And Jesus, he just didn't do it by himself. He invited the disciples to take part in that ministry as well. Well, what's the reaction of the disciples? I mean, they've just come back from this trip. They have all these stories they want to tell. They're tired. Um, they were so hungry, and they just weren't able to eat. What are they going to do? What, what's their response? I think they practice what I'll call reasonable discipleship. You know, they're hungry, they're tired, they don't see any end to Jesus' teaching in sight. And they take pride in being not resentful, but pragmatic. Of course, we know Jesus. Of course he's caught up in talking about the gospel. Of course he's sharing the good news about the kingdom of God. That's what he's always talking about new life with people. So they interrupt Jesus, and they say, look, we know you love talking about this, but this is a deserted place. It's getting late. Let's send the people away, the people who are hungry, so they can buy food for themselves. That sounds reasonable to me. You know, I think we often practice our own form of reasonable discipleship. We say, well... Someone's always going to be hungry. I mean, one of our neighbors is always going to be hurting. I mean, we have struggles too. We have to deal with our own brokenness. They can take care of their own business. It's reasonable that we can't minister to others right now. We need our own rest, reflection, 
Well, Jesus' response to this reasonable discipleship cannot be at all what they were expecting. He says, you give them something to eat. Wait a second. There's thousands of people here. We've just come back from a trip where we took nothing with us. Our hands are empty. This call to ministry was an impossible demand, as the disciples are quite quick to tell Jesus. Look, let's be reasonable. We're a long way from any town, and even if we were close to town, we don't have the eight months' worth of wages it would take to buy the food for all these people. Send them to get their own food. They can do it. In effect, what they were saying is, this request is beyond our available resources. We don't have it in us. Now, Jesus, we think, should respond in an understanding way, saying something like, you're right, I really do have compassion on all these hungry people, but there's no way. There really isn't enough money. We'll make sure to be better prepared next time. But no, that's not what Jesus says. He says, how many loaves have you? Go and see. Well, we face situations that we think are impossible. We have times in our life where our imagination fails, and we assume we have no resources for participating in ministry. We definitely don't have the time. Maybe we feel like we're too old. We just don't have the energy. Or maybe we think we're too young and we don't have any knowledge or experience. Maybe we say, well, I just don't have the talent to follow that opportunity that Jesus seems to be calling me towards. Oh, and the big one, we never have enough money. We even take a step further. We do see that we have a few resources. If we're honest, we're not really that poor, or we do have some talents, and there is some time that we can make, but you know what? That's just not enough right now to be applied towards ministry. But Jesus isn't asking us to make lists of what we don't have. He's not asking us to say all the qualities we wish we had or all the resources that we think that we need to do ministry. Jesus just wants us to find out what we do have. He doesn't say, well, tell me all about all your insecurities. Don't tell me about everything that restrains you from being effective in ministry. Because if we wait to overcome all of our perceived limitations and gather all the resources that we think we need, we don't need Jesus then. In the gospel, Jesus shows confidence in his disciples, drawing more out of them than they think they have. Well, you say, well, 
all that they found were five loaves and two fish. But that's all that was needed. So Jesus had them organize the people to receive it. Now the disciples must have been thinking, whoa, this is crazy. This is a fool's errand. I mean, after the first 50 people, this is going to be gone. Maybe if we make sure they take just little bits of the bread and um, just maybe one bite of fish, maybe it could stretch to a couple hundred people. But more likely, their unspoken complaint was this. Look, these five loaves and two fish are just about the right amount for dinner for the 12 of us if we didn't have to share. We're tempted not to share what resources we do discover in ministry with others. Because we think if we gave our time or our talents or our money, it wouldn't be enough to make any difference. Wouldn't it be more reasonable to keep it for ourselves? Well, the disciples offered all they had to Jesus. All that they had found, those five loaves and those two fish, though it was just little. And he took it, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it back to the disciples to give to the people. And after all ate and were filled, there were 12 baskets full of leftovers, one for each hungry disciple. They who all they had been able to find in themselves, not even really any support of Jesus' ministry, all that they could find were five loaves and two fish. But still, they had been a part of feeding 5,000 men, not counting the women and children that were there. And there was plenty left over for them. Despite tiredness, despite hunger, Despite lack of imagination, despite the timing being wrong, despite their fears, despite their limitations, despite their excuses, in the end, their trust in Jesus to join him in engaging in ministry in this new way resulted in abundance for them and for others. So Jesus asks us, to find out what we have to offer in ministry. He asks us to bring it to him, no matter how little it is, no matter how little we think it is. And as we offer it to him, he blesses it and makes it more than enough to engage in the ministry he's called us to. But this isn't it. We don't just stop with what we bring to Jesus. Offering something, however little we think it is, is not the extent of our ministry. Because Jesus, after blessing what we have to give, he gives it back to us and he asks us to share it with others. Jesus asks us to share what little we have with his blessing to those to whom he's called us to minister. Well, Sharon, the elder I told you about earlier, she chose not to resign. 
and she exercised what she thought was not enough faith, because you have to have a lot of faith to work with teenagers. She listened, and she learned, and she gave of the little time she had in the midst of running a whole program at a university. She went as a chaperone on the youth mission trip at first. Then she led a small group of youth, and then she led a youth mission trip. She gave what little she had at first, even when she couldn't imagine that it would make a difference, and ended up with much more. In what area of ministry is God asking you to go and see what you have to give to him? Maybe right now you're thinking of all the excuses, all the reasons to not engage in that new ministry. It's easy to imagine how we just can't do it rather than trusting that with Jesus we can risk to offer all that we have to him that it might be blessed and returned to us for participation in ministry in a new way. Your participation in ministry in a new way will bring abundant life, not just to yourself, but to others. So what do you have? Go and see. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for this message that has been delivered to us that is faithful to your word. And Lord, help us to not think of the weaknesses that we have in our lives that would prevent us from ministry, but God, help us to think about the grace that you give through your Son and through your Holy Spirit that enables us to serve. Lord, we need hearts that are willing to serve, and then we are ready to serve. So, Lord, help us not to think about our limitations as we've been exhorted to not think about, but help us to think about the grace that enables us to live and to minister uh, for the sake of Jesus Christ and for his glory and fame. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your hymnals and stand. We'll turn to 477 and respond to the word that we've just heard preached. Ye servants of God, your master proclaim and publish abroad his wonderful name, the name of victorious, of Jesus extolled. His kingdom is glorious, he rules over all. God ruleth on high, almighty to save, and still he is nigh, his presence we have. 
The great congregation his triumph shall sing, ascribing salvation to Jesus our King. Salvation to God who sits on the throne, let all cry aloud and honor the Son, the praises of Jesus the angels proclaim, fall down on their faces and worship the Lamb. Then let us adore and give him his right, all glory and power, all wisdom and might, all honor and blessing with angels above, and thanks never ceasing and infinite love. Please be seated. Our Lord said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. And so you are invited to come. You come with faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, whether you're a 